0: Well, hi, and welcome to The Christian Contrast, where we talk about how walking with Jesus leads us to live different from the world around us. Um, And I'm Dan Franklin with the solo podcast for this time, and uh, I want to talk about some things related to abortion and related to the recent overturning of Roe v. Wade. Um, Just as I'm recording this right now, we're just still um, less than a week from when that decision was made, and so it's fresh, it's the talk on social media, it's the talk in politics, and it's the talk around churches. And uh, what I wanna do in this is is I wanna give sort of a response or an answering to um, what I'm calling either some objections or some pushback to the pro-life stance. Um, And some of these, in in broad strokes, some of these objections that I'm gonna be talking about are certainly objections that are lobbed by people who are pro-choice. But oddly enough, one of the things to me that's been a bit troubling is that there's been people who, at least in in their stance, would say that they're pro-life, but have been saying some of these same things, have been making some of these same objections either to the overturning of Roe v. Wade or to Christians celebrating the overturning of Roe v. Wade, which just cards on the table, I do celebrate that. Um, As I'll talk about later, I don't think it's game, set, match. I I don't think any pro-life person believes that, but I do celebrate it as a positive thing. And so I'm going to talk about sort of five objections to the pro-life stance and then just talk about how I think that we relate to those. So the first one is this, and this is the biggest one and the one I'll spend the most time on, is to say Christians or pro-life people are really pro-birth instead of being pro-life. And sort of the way this objection goes is, hey, all these pro-life people, they care about the baby until it's born, and then they don't care about the baby at all after the baby is born. Um, So I want to say two things about this. Um, The first is that I want to say this is utterly unfounded and untrue. But the second thing that I want to say is, even if it was true, which it's not, but even if it was true, it would still be a better position than the pro-choice position, Um, Now, here, in fact, with all five of these objections, what what I'm going to ask you to do if you're going to listen through all five of them is I'm going to have a constant mantra to remember that there is a baby in this picture, too. Now, if you're someone that thinks there's not a baby in the picture, that's a different discussion for a different time. But a lot of this pushback is not people saying it's not a baby. It's people saying, well, maybe it is a baby, but there's this other factor. So I wanna just give a reminder that the baby is part of this picture. So think about this for a second. Think about this from the baby's perspective. If you had two sides and one side was saying, here's the deal, you are not allowed to kill your unborn baby, but once the baby's born, I am not gonna lift a finger to help that baby. And then you had another side saying, hey, I might end up lifting a a finger to help your baby once that baby's born, but I don't care one way or another, you're totally allowed to kill that baby. Think for a second, if you're a baby, which position would you think is more on your side? Now, this isn't an either or, but I wanna just illustrate that to say, even if this objection was true, even if pro-life people were only pro-birth, that would still be a morally better position than saying it's okay to kill unborn babies. Um, but but the fact is this is absolutely not true and this is absolutely unfounded and and for me in some ways I look at it and I say all right if if you're an avid pro-choice person I understand why you'd say this because frankly you got to find some way to ass- assuage your conscience um, I I think not all but most pro-choice people they know what's going on they know that there are babies being killed. And so you've got to find some way to try to hold the moral superiority. So if you're pro-choice and you're like, hey, well, they only care about the baby before birth. They don't care about the baby that's after birth. That can make you hold on to some level of, of moral superiority or, or just morally assuaging your conscience. But what kills me is when there's Christians and pro-life people saying this and almost adopting this as if it's a given. Um, I, I just want you to pause and think. This is a talking point of people who are okay with the slaughter of unborn babies. Why in the world would we just accept that as, well, it must be true? What what in the world would they have as a possible motive for saying something that's untrue? The fact is, this is not true from every objective measure. People who are pro-life do care about the babies after they're born every pregnancy resource center in the country not only helps women when they're having crisis pregnancies and advocates for the lives of unborn babies but also walks with women and babies long after and has resources has parenting classes has ways that that they're helping the the mothers towards um Healthcare has ways that they're giving baby clothes and diapers and all of those things away. And beyond that, churches that are pro-life, I, I just this is such a weird thing to say. Uh, I don't know of a church, and, and I'm critical of some churches, but I don't know of a church that is not doing things for the poor in their community. We certainly are, as Life Bible Fellowship Church, we have ways that we're not only involved with Assure Pregnancy Clinic, but that we're involved with Pacific Lifeline and Inland Valley Hope Partners and Ad and I, and that we're involved with um, the Upland Community Resource Center that, that is helping. Um, Only people who are in unfortunate financial situations. This charge is simply untrue. Even when you get into adoption, Christians and pro life people, and and in particular Christians, are two and a half times more likely to practice adoption than people who are not in the Christian community. So we we need to get away from it. We need to stop this false talking point that pro life people. Are only pro-birth. And the the one other thing I just want to say about this is it's possible that those people who are kind of in the pro-life camp but still use this talking point, um, it may be possible that it's your own conscience being pricked, and you need to not project that on everyone else. Um, It may be, frankly, that you're somebody that said that you're pro-life, but you haven't actually done anything to help people, and you're assuming that that's just what's happening. And what I want to say is, that is not what's happening. You need to deal with that before the Lord. You need to figure that out, and you need to figure out how you're supposed to respond to that. Um, So uh, the one thing, and I will say this, the one way that people tend to justify this as a talking point is to say that often people who are pro-life are not in favor of massive government programs. Um, And and there's some truth to that, that there is some carryover in this. What I'd say though is this only holds true, this this critique only holds true if your assumption is the only way to help poor people or pregnant mothers or poor children is through massive government programs. It's only if you believe that is the only legitimate way to help people that you could say the pro-life people don't care about babies once they're born. Um, This critique is old. It's false, it needs to go in the trash can, it certainly doesn't need to be recycled by Christians or pro-life people who are dealing with their own conscience issues. So there needs to be an end to this, I'm done with it, I'm moving on. Um, Second objection, laws don't change hearts. Now, this is true, And so some people are saying like, right, why are all the Christians celebrating? Laws don't change people's hearts. And that's true. And I want to say no pro-life person thinks that laws change people's hearts. And no pro-life person thinks that this is game set match um, with Roe v. Wade being overturned. In fact, no pro-life person would think that it was game set match if abortion was outlawed in our culture. At the same time, it's weird to say that we shouldn't celebrate a law or a law change that is moving us towards justice. I, mean, I think if some of you know the, the story surrounding William Wilberforce, who in England was an advocate for the abolition of the slave trade and labored about this for decades, speaking truth and standing for justice. And eventually he won that battle and the slave trade was outlawed. I'm just trying to imagine in that happening, somebody turning to the, those who were advocates for the abolition of the slave trade and saying, why are you guys celebrating? I mean, a law change doesn't change somebody's heart. Why are you celebrating? We would say that's ridiculous. Partially you're celebrating because of the freedom that is now going to happen for the people who were previously trafficked through the slave trade. And certainly the overturning of Roe v. Wade doesn't change everything, but it does instantly in our country put more unborn babies in safety than were before. It's a move towards justice, so it is absolutely worth celebrating. Um, third objection um, would, would be something like this, to say, hey, hey, you know what, there are Christians on both sides of this issue. And, and the thing is, all right, that, that is true. Um, there are people who are Christians who are pro-life, and there are Christ, uh, people who are Christians who are pro-choice. So, So that is objectively true. But if what we're gonna say is because this is a matter that's debated, because there are professing Christians on both sides, then we need to treat it as it's something that's up in the air and that there's not really an objective answer to. If we did that, currently in our culture, we would have to do that with every Christian teaching. There are professing Christians who would say, Jesus wasn't really God. You know what, they're wrong. And we're gonna to continue to profess that Jesus is God, that that's the clear teaching from scripture, even though there's gonna be Christians that are gonna be on the other side of that. Um, now, the debate about abortion, its well, it's not at that level. It's not at the level of the divinity of Jesus. It, it's at a pretty high level, and Scripture is pretty clear on the dignity and the personhood of the unborn. And frankly, for centuries and centuries and centuries, the Christian church was totally united on this. That there, This wasn't a highly debated, contentious issue within Christianity. There was pretty much unanimity that this was wrong, that abortion was wrong. So the idea that there are Christians on the other side of this means that we shouldn't talk about it or we shouldn't take a strong stand. That's just not correct. We wouldn't be taking a strong stand on anyone. If we were doing that. So we can recognize and we can even be sensitive and be polite about the fact that, all right, I, I know I, I said this um in our church services right after Roe v. Wade was overturned. I said, I know that there's people here that they're not with us on that, that some of you don't agree with with our stance on this. So you can acknowledge and you can be sensitive in that way, but that doesn't mean that just because there's Christians who disagree, that you should stop saying what scripture teaches and what's true on this. Um so that's objection number three. Uh, objection number four is that people are saying, why are we celebrating? It's going to be poor women who are most hurt by this, most hurt by the overturning of Roe v. Wade. Um, And and what I wanna say, I wanna say, um, no, that's not true. Um, What is true is that it's gonna be poor women who are disproportionately impacted by this. That is absolutely 100% true. But I want us to be very careful especially as believers in Jesus. And if if you're a pro-life person saying it's going to be poor women who are hurt by this, just think of what you're saying right now. What you're saying is poor women are now going to be hurt by the fact that they can't kill their babies. I want you just to pause and I want you to take that in. Now imagine, and I'm not advocating for this, but imagine that in the state of California, we outlawed adultery and we said, adultery is no longer allowed. You can go to jail if you commit adultery. Um, we could end up saying something similar to this. We we could end up saying, you know what, frankly, it's poor people who are really going to be hurt by this because rich people can bribe police officers and get good lawyers and they can get out of this and they'll never go to prison. But poor people, they're going to end up not being able to have affairs because of this law. Um, And you'd you'd be right that they're going to be disproportionately impacted by it. But would we really say they are being hurt by it being harder for them to do something that's evil and sinful? Think about what we're saying with this. Absolutely, poor women are going to be disproportionately impacted by the overturning of Roe v. Wade. But you know who else is going to be disproportionately impacted by this? Poor babies who are not going to be killed in the same numbers because of this. Um, We can absolutely recognize this. And and, uh, for us as believers, again, I believe... There are a lot of us who are doing things. We all should be doing things to look to care for the unborn babies, to look to care for the mothers from womb to tomb, 100%. But I think what we need to not get into the habit of saying is their lives would be better if they would have been able to abort their babies. First of all, the life of the baby certainly isn't better. And we don't believe that the life of the mother is better. She is going to, however she responds to it, and and often the father also, because the father is often also pressuring in this situation, um, they're going to have to deal with the blood on their hands. They're going to have to deal with the guilt and the shame. They're going to have to deal with answering to God on something like this. Their lives are not better if the wheels are greased for them to be able to do something that's going to be evil and is going to be deeply regretted, um, either in this life or in the life to come. Um, and so that, that's number four, objection number four. And here's the last one, objection number five. And I, I had a little trouble figuring out how to put this, but, but it's something like this. Um, it's, it's impolite to celebrate because other people are not celebrating. Um, and there's a level of, of being sensitive on this, of, of recognizing, all right, the scriptural reality, you rejoice um, with those who are rejoicing, you grieve with those who are grieving. And so I think so- somewhere in here that there's at least a, a seed or a glimmer of, of a Christian idea to say, it feels, it feels weird that some of us would be celebrating this decision when we know that other people within our community and other people within our nation are grieving this. And so what I say is, all right, that there is something to advocate for sensitivity here to be thinking. And especially if if you're in a one-on-one conversation. If you're going up to a friend or a group of friends that you know are ardently pro-choice, and you walk up and you say, isn't this great? And you're wearing a overturned Roe v. Wade hat. It it probably will not be helpful. You got to know your context. So what I'm not saying is be utterly insensitive to everyone else. We always want to be sensitive to where other people are coming from. Um, But I still want to come back to saying like, all right, is it impolite. Here's what we're dealing with in our culture if all of us say we're just not going to say anything about it because there's people who who feel hurt when we say things about this. What we're going to end up with is a culture full of people that have no problem at all advocating for abortion and advocating for the freedom to kill unborn children. We have that now. That is 100% clear by the response to the overturning of Roe v. Wade. So we know that that's there. We know that there are voices feeling unshackled, unhindered from advocating for the pro-choice position. Are we really going to say in the face of that, all of us who are pro-life, what we need to do is just politely be silent? Um, and to that, I say, no way. That That is absolutely inappropriate. Do we really want our children growing up in a culture where they're loudly hearing one side? And those of us on the other side are just sort of not saying anything. Are we wanting our new believers in Jesus to, hear, to grow up in a culture where they're strongly hearing from every celebrity, from almost every cable news channel, from half of the politicians in the country, okay, consistently they're hearing the message that abortion is a moral good and needs to be protected, with a whole bunch of people over here saying, well, we don't want to be impolite and say something else. Um, uh, I'm not buying that at all. Because the stakes here are not just us saying we need to protect our rights. The idea here has always been that we are advocating for those who cannot speak for themselves. We want our children, especially those who were growing up in the church, we don't want them growing up saying, well, every celebrity that I know of, every musician that I know of, um, m- most of the, the people who are on TV that I know of, they're all saying this side of things. And my parents and my church, they, they just don't really talk. I mean, I mean, I think that they're pro-life, but they don't really talk about it. We want them to grow up in a context where they are hearing passionate, robust, thoughtful reasons why we are pro-life. We want them growing up truly understanding that we are in this bizarre place in our culture where those who are advocating for the right to kill their unborn children believe that they have the moral high ground. And sometimes those of us who are pro-life almost talk about it apologetically, like, well, hey, I, I am pro-life, but, but I, I also advocate for other justice issues. We don't need to apologize for being pro-life. What we are saying is it's not okay to kill your unborn baby. We we have, and, and I I want to say this in an appropriate way, our position has the moral high ground. We, we don't need to apologize for our position. We're not the ones that need to explain ourselves. Those who are saying it's okay to kill your children, those are the people who need to explain themselves. So, so I reject the idea that we, we need to stay silent because it's sort of impolite. Now, this is literally a life and death matter. And not only is it a life and death matter for those babies, but this is also something. I mean, all, all of us um, know people, and it, man, I, I know women and men who have abortion in their past because I've known men who, are, who have dealt with the grief of um, financing an abortion or, or pressuring into an abortion. Um, Jesus cleanses all sin, and there is freedom to be had. Um, but man, the pain and regret is deep in these cases. Um, and that's true for all of us with, with our different sins. You know, if, if one of us has committed adultery, can Jesus cover that? A hundred percent, Jesus died for that sin. But man, there is regret and loss and sadness when, when that's something that's a part of your past. And the same is true with abortion. Um, are we setting people up to have to go through the deep, heart-wrenching uh, idea of coming to grips with what they've done, and then experiencing the pain and loss over that and the regrets and the wondering, what, what would have happened? How would my life have been different? What might this child be? Dealing with how old would my child be now? Um, we wanna rescue people from those sorts of regrets. This is too important for us just to say, well, it seems impolite or other people get mad when we do this. I understand other people get mad when we do this and I wanna be sensitive, I wanna be thoughtful, I, I wanna be inviting. I do want us to deal with womb to tomb with, with everything. I believe that we are doing that and that we can do better with that. Um, but we need to not stay silent. And it is absolutely 100% appropriate for us to celebrate a Supreme Court decision that moves us more into the realm of justice without ever saying either the battle's over, this solves everything, or without recognizing that it's a much more complex way of getting to the end of this. Um, I've shared this before. Honestly, more important to me um, more sad to me, I guess I should say, even more sad than the fact that our country still says, it's okay, um, on the whole, it's okay to abort your children, is that there's so much demand for us to do this. Um, I would love, my. I think my greatest dream in this is that we would be at a place in our country where it would actually still be legal, but nobody would want it we'd say, yeah, they're saying that you can abort your baby. We don't wanna, why would we ever do that? Where we would be morally outraged by it in the same way that we're morally outraged when we look back at horrors like slavery and racism in our country. Um, so the, the bottom line is, yeah, I, I understand there are people who are gonna get mad over this and feel hurt over this. The, the stakes are too high. We can be winsome, we can be thoughtful, we can be kind, we can be polite, we can choose our moments wisely, we can do all of that. But we can't stay silent. The unborn need a voice, and the pro-life position needs a voice. And if we stay silent, only one side of the story is being told, and that's hard to overcome. Obviously, in talking about a subject like this, this, this has a lot of emotions going into it. Um, and even talking about a, a subject like this, there's a hundred ways to come at it. And so some of you are like, well, we didn't really prove from the Bible that abortion is wrong. You're right. That, that's another podcast. In fact, I'm pretty sure I've done a podcast episode on that. Some of you are saying, well, well, you haven't really dealt with with the objections that people have about is it a person and at what point does it become a person? You're right. I haven't really dealt with that side of things. Once again, we've done other episodes about that, and you can find other ways that are talking about that. This is a subject that I wanted to cover for this particular episode, and I don't want to pretend for a second it covers everything but I think that it does cover important territory to point us towards the idea that if we're pro-life, we don't need to be embarrassed. We can celebrate the answered prayers that God has brought about through forward progress in this, and we can continue to speak up without shame and without embarrassment, while also being winsome and inviting and dealing with all justice issues in our time. Um, If you have feedback, if you have comments, if you have questions, I certainly would welcome them. You can just comment on this YouTube video Um, If you're looking to find any of the episodes of The Christian Contrast, you can find them on YouTube, or you can just go to lbf.church, and you can find the episodes there. We put these out every two weeks, and so I'll be back in two weeks with another episode of The Christian Contrast. Thanks so much for taking the time to listen, and God bless you. Until next time.